0: design thinking happens, we don't even realize what we're doing. We do it because we're designers, we're taught, you know, everything we do is a teachable experience before you go to the computer we sketch. We need to think about these things because all of the decisions comes from that. It's like, this is what we do all the time. We do this. We don't think about it. We don't have the deep conversations. of, And we don't teach the students enough about it.
1: Alma Hoffman is an Associate Professor of Graphic Design at the University of South Alabama with the Department of Art and Art History in the College of Arts and Sciences. Alma received her BA from the University of Puerto Rico, her MFA from Iowa State University, as well as a Diploma in Web Design from the Art Institute of Pittsburgh, and a Diploma in Photography from the New York Institute of Photography. Alma was born and raised in Puerto Rico. She joined the department of art and art history at the university of south alabama in 2013. her research focuses on how sketching or any other graphic expression such as doodling are design thinking and problem solving processes as a bilingual designer she is also interested in how cultural identity is reflected or defined through visual messages alma has taught a variety of undergraduate and graduate courses she has written the book, Sketching as Design Thinking, and as a designer, she has worked with a diverse range of clients and has won several awards. Alma is also an editor at Smashing Magazine. Alma and I have a great conversation on creativity, design thinking, and sketching, and we really think you'll enjoy this episode of the Design Dedux Podcast.
0: <laughs>
1: Alma, welcome to the Design Dedux Podcast. How are you?
0: I'm doing well, thank you. Thank you for thank having
1: you. me. You're, <laughs> welcome. You're welcome. Thanks for joining me again. For all my listeners, uh, I brought Alma back for another recording that no one has heard the first recording. Uh, I had some uh, technical difficulties, so we're, um, we're meeting again and talking again, uh, and we're picking up, um, talking about creativity and this idea of design thinking. Not that one and the other, they compete or anything like that, but just kind of Looking at those two terms um, together and is there a relationship, is there not kind of thing. So, uh, Alma, tell us a little bit about where you're teaching now, how you got into teaching.
0: I am teaching at the University of South Alabama in Mobile, Alabama. Um, And I have been. this is my, I guess, seventh year. I was just given tenure in the summer and promoted to associate professor.
1: Congratulations.
0: Um, Thank you. Thank you. And let's see. I got into teaching, it was a long, long journey. I didn't know what I wanted to be when I went to college the first time. And I floated around every single college department, sociology, psychology, uh, communications. Um, I wanted to be an architect, um, but it so happened that I took a drawing class one summer with Lope Max Diaz, who is a very well-known uh, painter and artist in Puerto Rico and in North Carolina. And he sat with me and he asked me, what are you doing with your life? And I said, I want to help people. So I want to be a psychologist or a sociologist or a social worker. And he said, you're wasting your time. You should be an artist. But <laughs> okay. I was very young and I was like, oh, sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but that st- stuck with me and stuck with me. So I didn't... Uh, a 360 or 180, however you want to call it, and decided to go to the College of Education to be an art educator. So I graduated with a degree in art art education.
1: But oh, then okay. I got
0: I taught high school or junior high school for five years. I didn't teach art. I taught something called uh, Skills for Life, which taught me a lot about teaching, about the ins and now, the day-to-day of teaching. And I decided to go back to school. I went to grad school, but I wasn't accepted at first. I went to Iowa State University, and they told me that to get an MFA in graphic design, I had to start from scratch because my portfolio wasn't great or good enough. I was fuming, but (laughs) (laughs) I did it anyway. And I was so, so, I was ever so grateful because the education I received at Iowa State was amazing. And instead of going to another senior year, um, I asked them, well, now I prepare my portfolio. What do you think of skipping the senior year and applying to grad school since I already, I already have a degree? And they said, oh, yeah, why don't you? So I got into grad school and I loved it. I loved every second of it.
1: Excellent. But I got yeah.
0: sick for a while and it took a long time to graduate. And one of those years, my professor, Roger Bayer, who's now retired, needed a teaching assistant and he was talking to me and somebody has I don't remember what happened and he said oh you should t- t- teach this class I'm like me no <laughs> I, I don't know anything about that and he was like there's no better way of learning than teaching what you need to teach and I started teaching yeah. oh my goodness and it was like I was a fish in the water it was it was it and I was hooked. It was there was something about it about teaching design, particularly, yeah, um, yeah, that was really hooked on. And since then, I had other, I also had another assistantship, and eventually, I was just teaching. And then um, I've been, you know, doing teaching since 2006. Officially, I went to Chicago, taught there. Then I went to Indiana, taught there. Um, I guess they're not called IPFW anymore. <laughs>
1: Correct. Right. right.
0: <laughs> they are Purdue some uh, Purdue Fort Wayne or something. Purdue Fort and,
1: Wayne. Correct. Yes.
0: And now I'm here. Um, so that's pretty much how I got into teaching. Um. A series of people who, were, care enough to sit me down and say to me, you know, you know, yeah. you should do this. So.
1: Yeah, and then there's that. The, I've had that same moment that you've had. That moment where you, it just is like, wow, this is amazing. It's so much fun. Yeah, uh, to do, yeah, my story uh, is you know quite similar uh, in that way. I didn't really realize I I would be so passionate with teaching, but mm-hmm. you you get invited to do that first class, yeah, uh, and it you know when it's right kind of thing, yeah. you know, yeah, you do. Um, so again, congratulations on tenure. I think Thank that's you. one of the um um <laughs> most nerve wracking biggest accomplishments <laughs> uh, when you go from assistant to associate that, that <laughs> yeah. waiting for that answer. Um, and that's kind of what I'm trying to offer with the podcast, more insight uh, for design educators as well as um, information for students uh, and so on. But uh, um, the, so those that don't know, you've been doing uh, a lot of sketching and you have a book that's out yes. and the title of that book again, Alma, so I don't mess it up.
0: <laughs> sketching as design thinking
1: sketching as design thinking which is an excellent title because it fits right into uh um these uh this season of the podcast and these episodes um let's talk about then quickly the sketching that you do um you have a great instagram account where you're doing lettering uh and and showing your work on that so is, is there a lot of sketching ahead of time for those sketches then, or those lettering pieces rather that go into uh, your Instagram?
0: It depends. Um, a lot of I consider them sketches, um, <laughs> all of them, uh, okay. even though they they look finished. Mm-hmm. For me, they're sketches, and I have I started this uh, the lettering officially in 2015, but the idea of sketching has always been with me, and the idea of posting something daily is not new to me or it's more it's newer to the world now but mm-hmm. back in 2010 uh in smashing magazine um Limaco, I think is his name wrote an article challenging designers to with a 365 days challenge which is you, you post something every every day and I did that and it was intense it was nerve-wracking sometimes i didn't know what to do but it was a great discipline and there was an accountability cuz i made friends with Uh, a designer in ukraine and another one i don't know in what part of the world he was and we connected through twitter and we would keep each other we would congratulate each other or you know um encourage each other like oh that's cool or this or that and when that finished i felt like a relief but at the same time a huge void like Hmm. oh and now what like What? (laughs) and i took a break and a lot I long break at that. And then I felt restless again. And um, I always had dabbled in calligraphy and lettering since I was a kid, every, every time. And I thought I knew enough. So when I started to do it, <clears throat> I realized I didn't know anything.
1: <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah.
0: So um, I started to practice consistently and posting it because there was, um, I started with the lessons by Caroline Kelso, and I admire her very much. Um, she, she, was, she had a great community called Made Vibrant, and she did this little course, uh, five classes, um, on how to start lettering for $20. And that mm-hmm. hooked me. And I started to do it every day, and I started to see what people were posting using the hashtags and all of that. And I continue. Now it's not an issue of participating in somebody's challenge. Now it's an mm-hmm. issue of I have to do it. It's for me. So I consider them sketches. I consider them the opportunity to try new things, um, to explore different lettering styles or different techniques or something like that. Some days, though, um, they're more involved. And some mm-hmm. days I will, I will still, I still do a quick sketch before you, you see that finished piece. But to me, that's less like an intermediary sketch. So I do something very quick, um, either on the iPad or on a piece of paper or my notebook. And kind of figuring out where I want these things or, or, or where I want that or whatever. And then I start playing with it and playing with it and playing with it until I go to a point that I feel, oh, this is cool. I, I, I feel happy with this. Yeah. And I put it up, but I don't consider them like pieces that I would sell for, you know, I mean, if somebody wants to buy them, great, but I'm not, I don't consider them like a $500 piece. You know, I, I mm-hmm. consider them my daily practice, my yes, daily yes. Exercise. Yeah. Yes, my daily exercises. And sometimes it's because you're a designer, you cannot get away from the concept. Sometimes you're like, <laughs> oh, but what do I want to say? How do I want to say this? <laughs> yeah. But I love doing it. I, it's become a part of me. It's become a thing that I, I want to do because I want to do it.
1: Excellent. And a, yeah. lot of,
0: a lot of my students start following me and they start saying, oh, well, if she can do it, why can I? So they start posting things right and I, right. that's really cool to see that they feel encouraged by that um but Definitely, I, I don't yes. think i'll ever stop because i i really re- and the days i cannot get to it i'm more at peace with that now but there was a time it's like oh i haven't i didn't do it i didn't do it. i need to do something i need to do something um is this i think is this hyperactive creative energy that is in you you know that has to come out somehow
1: correct yeah and it's, yeah
0: it's also a time for me, it's also a time to calm down and meditate and think about things or give me a moment to pause because you have to, it's not like you're doing, you know, mindless squiggles. You have to think. So it gives me a time to focus on something for a moment when I'm dealing with something else. So it's, it's a great, yeah. um, a great segue to other things. When I'm thinking about what to teach or a struggle with someone, either personal or professional, I go there and. It kind of puts that issue on the side while I'm focusing on this, and it gives me a moment to, to pause about that, and then I can come back to that with a fresher mind. That's just great, like,
1: actually, yeah. Just
0: like doing exercise. It's just like, it's physical. For me, it's very physical. I, I, sometimes I'm on the floor, and I, I'm moving things around, around me, and I'm a former dancer, so for me, that has a, a lot of importance, You know, that, to be able to interact with the piece that way, in a very physical way. I sketch on the floor. I have to do it on the floor. I have tried the table, but it's just
1: I can't. Oh, that's interesting. Know. Yeah, yeah. But I have
0: to be on the floor. My husband made me a a little. Uh, he bought a plank of wood to put it on the next to our window seat, where uh, on the attic where there's a a big window and everything. That's my place, and I have to sit there and play around. The whole thing of sitting on a desk doing this. I, I mean, I do it because I'm at school and I'm at school, but at my mm-hmm. home, I'm on the floor most of the time.
1: That's great, actually. That's fun. It just, it changes, it changes the mindset, really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, tell me then about how the idea for the book came about, Sketching as Design Thinking.
0: Well, that was a, a baby that took about 10 years to, to, <laughs> to be formed. Wow. Um, when I was teaching in Chicago... Uh, I had not known the idea of sketchnoting or anything like that. In fact, the term uh, sketchnoting was uh, coined by Mike Rody or Rody. I, I'm, sure I'm sorry, is. Mike. You're, <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce the last name. <laughs> anyway, and, but I didn't know that existed. So I was teaching this lecture in Harrington College of Design, which closed um, some years ago. And you get everybody. I mean, in Chicago, you get all types of students, and we were in this classroom that had windows, so you could look out Michigan Avenue. And um, and I had this kid while I was lecturing that was drawing, you know, a very intense drawing and very complicated. reading, I mean, in, on the first row, right across from me. And you know, I think professors are narcissistic; we like the attention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I looked at him and I said, uh, "What are you doing?" And he was like. He got started, like, what do you mean? I said, you're drawing, I'm talking, but I'm paying attention. And I said, I want you to put it away. And tension grew like quickly. And I was like, if this kid doesn't put the pencil down, I don't know what I'm going to do because I already stepped on it. My TA in the back started to get up to come towards my help. And I signaled to stay back. And I was like, I was praying, God help me, like, I don't know what to do, you know, like, it was that. So the student and I had looked each other in you know, our eyes, and then he put the pencil down and gave me the stare of death. And I was like, okay, so I continued. When we finished the class, he came to me and told me, I need to explain. And I said, please do. And he said, I need to draw. It's the only way to pay attention to you and I was very skeptical. And mm. I looked at him and I said, oh, I'm serious. He said, if you quiz me on anything you said right now, I can't answer any question. And I said, I'm not gonna quiz you. You know, I, this was in mid- uh, downtown Chicago, I had to run to the train station two blocks away at 10 o'clock, I couldn't miss my train. Yes. And I was like, no, let's just leave it at that. And you know, let's work from here. But on the way to the train station, I was checking Twitter and suddenly I see this tweet uh, about Eva Laura Lam, who is a is this very big doodler and sketcher, on this presentation that she had created on taking visual notes. I was like, whoa, this is amazing. But of course, what do we do? We sketch. And why do we have to take notes the normal way? Why can we not include what we know how to do into the sketch, into the note taking? Oh my goodness! I felt so stupid. I felt so. It was. I felt so embarrassed that I hadn't connected the dots and that I had made that student have that embarrassing moment. So I between we only met once a week. All of the classes met once a week. So I was gonna see them next week. For that week, I researched everything I could find on sketching, on visual note-taking. And I couldn't find much. There was still not much out there. This is 2010. The book, Mike's book came out in 2012, I think. Um, So I was like, you know, taking everything in and I started to research the connection between drawing and thinking, between drawing and memory, between drawing and retention. I started to read everything I could find. And I did a presentation in a conference, another presentation, another conference. And then Mike, I wrote an article for Smashing Magazine titled, I Draw Pictures All Day in 2012. It did very, very, very well. And people from all over the world contacted me, asking me about it. And then Mike and I connected and he sent me a book. And I started to read the book. I was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. The kicker is that back when, when I was still in Chicago, um. I wanted to see that kid again and tell him, say thank you for open, opening my world to something different. But he never came back. He had some problems, and I, I could never sit down with him to say, to say a proper thank you. Uh, mm. So I never see him again. Uh, so hopefully one day he'll listen that he changed my life.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: So fast forward to 2013, I, was, I woke up one Friday morning, and I had this clear crystal clear idea of the outline like I just bam and I sat on the table on my table I t- 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 started writing the entire outline like from top to bottom I wow. sent it to a co- couple of people they gave me feedback and then I sent it to a publisher he said you need to have it written already and I'm like I don't even know where to start so I let let it slide then uh, because I was not tenured yet uh, my former boss said you need to you need to make sure that you are with a publisher that is reputable for the tenure, da, 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 which then you kind of, st- I mean, people don't think that those those little comments are heavy on you when you're on tenure track, but they
1: are. Yes, yes. And they- you know, that's a, that's a really good point. I'm going to uh, pause you and then we'll get back to that story. Um, for all those young educators out there that are listening or those uh, young designers that are thinking about being educators, um, communicate those things. Uh, open up and talk. Uh, to each other, and and again, that's you know my my intent of our podcast. Um, so you know, in situations like that, when somebody says, "What well, needs to be a reputable publisher?" It's like you know, ask those questions. What's next? Um, how how do I contact them? Who is a reputable publisher? Yes, you know exactly. Who's not? You know. Yes. Yeah. So um, I I yes I have condolences for those experiences for everyone out there. Um, yeah. So, so what did you do then after that comment? Did that kind of pause you then?
0: It paused me a little bit, of course. Yeah. That's, that's the thing that um, a comment like that, you know, it's, people don't intend it, but it just, it just creates a huge weight on you. Like, whoa, what, what, what does that mean? So I started looking and looking and looking. Then I happened to go, I went to the Design Principles and Practice Conference in Chicago. And, uh, which is hosted by or organized by Common Ground Publishing in Illinois. And it's a truly international conference. I met people from yes. all over the world. It was amazing, amazing. I,
1: they, and the talks
0: and, and the papers. I, could, I was in heaven. I was like, <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. And the thing about this, and this is a side note, um, the thing about this in a conference like that, no one comes to you to tell you, oh, you have an accent. No one does that
1: correct right ever i presented yeah. uh yeah I, I presented at design uh design principles in toronto um, yeah um quite a, well not quite a few years back but definitely a few years years back they're a wonderful conference yeah
0: yes nobody cares you know it's it's all about where you what you're doing what is your project what is your research tell collaboration, me about it yeah collaboration g- exchanging it's amazing. Nobody cares. And. That to me was so significant. So long story short, I went to the guy who was in charge of book publishing and I told him, I have an idea for a book. And he said, here's my card, send me the information. I did. We signed a contract and everything. But um, my my tenure committee had problems or reservations with the publisher, with Common Ground Publisher. And that put another weight on me and it Mm. stopped me on my tracks for a while because then I had to think, what do I do? And I started researching and I discovered that there's really no evidence against them on any wrongdoing. But for some reason, there's this little, I don't know, this little stigma that they, I don't, I don't know. It's just, so a good person, I belong to a PhD group um, of professors. Uh, it's international on email. It's an email, a huge email list of about 3,000 people. Gunnar Swanson is part of it. Um, Kurt Lawn in Minnesota is part of her. Kurt Lawn was my, was used to be my student, and we love each other. Um, a lot of people that I know are in that. So I sent a question, and I said, this is my situation. I have a contract with these people. There's no money exchange. Um, what do you think? And Ken Friedman, which one of, is, I think is one of the founders of the list, got back to me um, outside the list and gave me advice, and he said, look, The best thing for you to avoid problems and to, for the future, you know, moving forward, find another publisher. And he gave me a list of publishers to look at. He was very, very, I mean, he took the time to just send me an email and he's very good at that. He takes in uh, new people in the group. And if you ask him a question, he will take the time. So I was like, wow, okay, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And, (laughs) you know, yeah. On the summer of 2017, so we're now at four years with the book, with the idea of the book. Um, it occurred oh, to boy. me,
1: okay, mm-hmm.
0: what, well, what's the worst that can happen if I just send proposals to everybody? That's true. So, yeah, I, I mean, they're gonna say no. So I already expected yeah. that. So I'm just gonna send them. Yeah. So I found Rutledge, and I found the um, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing them right, but. I found the editor of visual arts and (laughs) I sent her an email with a bunch of questions and and the outline and everything to my surprise, they got back to me in less than a week. I was like,
1: Whoa. And and that's a good message to everyone listening. Um, it's some people see those things as overwhelming or wow, they're the, they're the giants out there. I don't know if I'm going to be able to, to break through and will they notice me? Will they like my idea? Um, just go for it um yeah they're they're everyday people just like just like everyone else yeah. uh and and they are you know actually searching for those uh mm-hmm. those opportunities as well with you so yeah
0: so i sent it and the editor the proper editor was in, on vacation just the person got all my information and when she got back she said we need a champ or a chap, chapter sample And I said okay, and she gave me a deadline which was perfect because it was right before my carpal tunnel surgeries. Um, So Mm. I said that's perfect; it works great. So when I sent all of that, she sent it to uh, reviews um, for professors, um, blind reviews, and they two of them accepted the proposal and the chapter without any modifications. Two of them had minor modifications but accepted the manuscript. So she got back to me and said they accepted this you the changes that they proposed or they suggested you need to write a um write a report to me what are you doing and what why you're not doing what they said blah, blah, blah. but i am leaving she says when you send this i'm not going to be here i took another position within the company i was on a plane to germany pete
1: okay yeah.
0: <laughs> doing this on the phone and i'm like what does that mean what do you mean you're leaving what what does that mean for all of these plans and she goes well it's at the discretion of the new editor
1: <gasps> oh my goodness
0: and i was like no but i had to turn off the phone we're about to take off
1: <laughs> oh my goodness!
0: god to germany with this huge huge thing and i'm like oh my goodness
1: that's so about I a three-hour flight
0: no it's two days like 14 hours
1: <laughs> oh my goodness so yeah. you're just thinking and thinking and thinking. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I decided, well, I cannot do anything in Germany about it because I'm going to be... It was a smashing conference that I was presenting at in Freiburg and I'm going to have to leave it on the kitchen and continue on. When I got back, I sent the report with all of the changes, all the things I was planning to do or not do, modifications, and I didn't hear from them for a month.
1: Oh, my goodness. And I,
0: and I started to get nervous six weeks and i'm like oh my goodness is this really happening (laughs) so we're now in october or something like that and finally one of the emails i sent was replied and he told me we are sending your stuff to the to the people in london and they're gonna get in touch with you and i'm waiting i'm waiting finally the people in london get back to me and they said we love it tell me where you left it with the previous editor and we will take it from there and I couldn't have found better editors than Natalie and Jennifer. They were amazing, amazing, amazing. I, I, my experience was so, so good. So, but the thing is that they took it, they sent a, uh, a contract and I, it took me about a month to sign the contract because I could not believe it. Oh okay? boy. Yeah. And it was so, it was, there was so much silence on my part that they sent me emails asking, is there anything wrong with the contract? Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, no, 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 I'm just, I'm, I'm fine. And I just couldn't <laughs> believe I had a contract.
1: <laughs> wow. Yeah. Sure, and then, with all those hurdles, and then finally yeah. just, there it <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah.
0: So I signed a contract, and in 2018, officially, in January 1st, 2019, I started writing every single day until it was delivered in 2019-something. And in the summer of 2019, I was still dealing with some things, last-minute changes, because they send it, they, you send it back to them and they send it out to another house to do all the proofreading, all the making sure the citations are, are correct, all of that type of editing. So I started dealing with them who were amazing. Those people were also amazing. I had a great experience. And That's I couldn't fantastic. believe, like, like the people who are proofreading it, which I don't, I don't, I'm not good at remembering names. They told me, we really like your book. Like we have read it. And I'm like, you, you, what? <laughs> like what? <laughs>
1: wow! <laughs>
0: it was really good. And on um, December, uh, I think December twenty something, it came out on Amazon and Routledge. Oh my goodness! And that was I. I took pictures with the book here. Like I could not <laughs> believe it. And to this day, I mean, it's already what uh, February fifteenth. Yes. To this day, every morning I go to Amazon, type my name, Alma Hoffman, and it, here it is. <laughs>
1: That's awesome. Uh, what, so, so for those, those of us now that are excited to go in, uh, and pick out the book, can you give us a little bit of an abstract then about about the book?
0: Well, in the book, I wanted to, there are several things I wanted to accomplish with the book, um, but then you suddenly realize that you cannot do everything you wanted <laughs> yes. or include everything you wanted. Um, I interviewed about 13 designers, including a designer from Tesla. Uh, oh, cool. from the car. And Sam, who didn't know me from anything. I just reached out to him on LinkedIn and I call it LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> and he was more than delighted to jump on a Skype call with me for an hour and a half. And he showed me his sketches and that, just doing that with 13 different designers, I learned so much from everybody. Oh,
1: I can Some imagine. Some people
0: love sketchbooks. Sam, doesn't handle a sketchbook he doesn't carry one because Hmm. at tesla he says i can do alma i go through 400 500 sketches a day wow i cannot carry that on a sketchbook i have to have a folder and then i leave it behind with the with the industrial designer to go on and do it and if my sketches are not properly designed or properly sketched and they are proportion they're worthless so i discover all the different facets that people think about when they think about sketching and it was amazing for some they were totally disposable um uh, for Dan, diane burke uh, which used to be a designer at the museum of science in san francisco she sketches by collaging things and oh, everywhere she goes she yeah. collages and that to me that was like wow and it was one of the most um uh, profound uh, interviews i had in the book because we talked about for two hours it wow. was wow incredible yeah. um eva jumped on skype with me and we talked her, we talked for a long time about her sketching and her doodles and her her visual language that she has developed for her note taking mike jumped on the skype it was amazing i even interviewed an architect who doesn't keep any sketch and he's actually a politician now
1: <laughs> uh, in
0: north carolina Joe Sam quinn and okay he believes wholeheartedly that everyone should sketch should at least draw something uh, because it's part of how you process information?: So that was alone. That alone was incredibly educating, educational to me. Um, I also wanted to learn about the history. You know, wh- how do we know that sketch is a sketch, and where did, where did that idea come from? We tend to think it comes from Leonardo's notebooks, but it doesn't. It's actually someone before Leonardo called mm. Tacola or Tacola. <laughs> and he was a very well-regarded uh, citizen. He had many, many connections with the with royalty and everything. And he was writing a book, and I'm, I will not say the name because I'm gonna not say it, right? But he didn't finish the book, so he started to create. He was always drawing things, inventing, inventing things, inventing. You know, just creating things. No single sketch back in that time was to proportions. That was left to the people who were gonna fabricate it. They don't. They didn't care about that. They just care about the idea. So he had a bunch of sketches in a book. In the back of the book, he didn't finish which actually constituted the first sketchbook as we know it today.
1: Ah, okay.
0: And that curiosity, that desire to know the world is what is behind the idea of sketching. It's not simply, see, we, when I came to design, one thing that I always puzzled me is like, we are problem solvers. And I always say, what happens when there are no problems? What do you do? You know, (laughs) if sketches are only prescriptive of a solution, what happens when there's nothing to solve? I know that we will never get to a point and there's nothing to solve, but you need to ask the question. So I would always stop on my tracks because I felt like, well, I cannot design how I cannot work if I don't have a client. And I, that set me back for a long time. And I was frustrated because I wanted to create, but I didn't know how to channel all of that. And it sounds Mm. silly, it sounds ridiculous, because now there's so much out there, and you see everybody doing all sorts of stuff. But back when these questions were in my head, the internet wasn't what it is today. Mm. I mean, artists have it so much easier in many ways, not completely. I don't want to say it in a way that I'm undermining anything, but I'm saying... Right, right,
1: understandable, right.
0: The degree of exposure, of your exposure is so much greater and the degree of acquiring information is immense. There are so many channels where you can get information, the internet, the phone, the tablet, the, the Instagram, Pinterest, you know, you can go anywhere. You can go to any library in the world. That fascinated me. And I said, well, it's about creativity is a habit. Like Twyla Tharp says, the, the choreographer, it's a habit and you have to exercise it. If you don't exercise it, When you have the opportunity to do something, you're going to be stuck. And I had those moments like, how do I start? How do I start? How do I start? And then I realized it was related to not practicing little things here and there.
1: Mm, Right.
0: So the book is about that. The book also has a chapter on how the mind works when you present it with visual stuff based on the book by John Medina, The uh, Brain Rules, which is an amazing book for anybody. And it was very revealing to me how the mind really allocates a lot of its real state to vision, to processing vision, visual information, and I was like, but why? Why is that? My husband is a physicist, and he was saying, like, but it's logical. I'm like, why is it logical? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because really, oh, this fell off. Um, oh. When you're processing visual stuff, um, it's a lot of more information than audio. You know, you have colors, yes. textures, sizes, placement, yeah. um, all of that stuff that you don't necessarily have in audio. And, so like here this screen there's so much to process little icons little letters you know there's a lot of stuff and your brain does this without even you don't you don't you take it for granted yes. but there's a lot happening constantly in your brain and so i talked about that and my fascination with that and um and then i talk about i don't remember what else i talk about but i talk about all those things
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's excellent um <clears throat> you mentioned um the two keywords, creativity and design thinking a few times. Um, I don't know which one to talk about first. Maybe you stumped <laughs> me. Um, let, let me ask you then. Ooh, I, so there's people on both sides of the fence for this word design thinking. I say mm-hmm. word, right? Is a hyphen or whatever. Two words. Um, yeah. There, there's people who say design thinking is a real thing. And there's other people that says, that'll say design thinking is kind of over... Overdefined, maybe, I don't know. Mm-hmm. What, what are your thoughts quickly on, on design thinking? Then I wanna talk about the word creativity.
0: Well, it's defi- it is definitely hyped um, and perhaps a little bit too much. But the thing is that for us, design thinking happens. We don't, ha- we don't, we don't even realize that w- what we're doing. We do it because we're designers, we're taught. You know, one of, one of the advantages for coming to school to design later in life is that I could see that there's a huge difference between who I was as a person and as a, as a student to my other classmates. They, they got it very easily. They grew up on computers. I didn't. I was 10 years older. So for them, this learning curve was not as high as it was for me. But I learned that, wait, you know, the computer is not everything, So Mm -hmm. I banked on what I knew, which was I was very good at doing research. I was very good at articulating my thoughts. And I was very good at how to think about a concept and how to find, how to find the visual or how to get to the visual that I wanted to communicate that concept. And it hit me. We do this. We don't think about it. And we don't, we don't teach the students enough about it. I do think it's overhyped outside. Mm -hmm. And for us, maybe but I also think we don't teach enough about it. We take a student and we teach them how to make a logo, or we tell them how to make a logo, but we don't have the deep conversations of, why do you think your, your little image is communicating right now?
1: Have right, you look at it right. from
0: other perspective? What is this space communicating? Is it really doing what it's supposed to do? Um, see, the other day I had a conversation with my, one of my students and they're doing a catalog. Um, And interestingly enough, catalogs are still much alive. Uh, For those of us who are Mm -hmm. uh, incredulous, they are. Um, (laughs) I collected collected statistics and everything on that. Anyway, I asked them to come back to me with a plan. The idea of a plan was to tell me the parts of the catalog. And I said, I don't care about that because that's going to happen anyway. I want to know who I want you to, who is your audience? Well, I guess, blah, 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 blah. No, you cannot guess. Who are you talking to? Right. Who's that person? I want you to understand your audience in such a way that, that, that you come up with a person with a name and a last name and tell me what they eat, what, how they sleep, what they wear, what time they go to work, what time they yes. go. I want you to understand that person. Oh, but I didn't know how to do that. But that's what you have to do to communicate. How are you going to communicate with? You cannot communicate. Who are you going to sell this to? Who's going to buy it? Yep. So yeah. we had these conversations and it became, they were like stunned, like, whoa. And I said, but we need to think about these things because all of the decisions, color, layout, typefaces, sizes, even products, price point, all of that comes from that research. And while it is true that if you're in an agency, they're going to give you all of this. We don't we don't have that here. You have to do it.
1: Right. You right. have
0: to take this on and doing this allows you to think in a design way to uh, uh, about how to what do I need to do? How do I, how do I brand all of this in such a yes. way that I provoke you and I invoking you the, the desire to purchase something that you don't even need.
1: Right. And that's yep. dangerous. Yep.
0: Those are dangerous words because and that's the business of him, you know, the business yes. of yes, persuading. It is. Mm-hmm. The business of provoking uh I, I wanna say jealousy and covering something. I remember there was a Target ad when I was at IPFW, I showed it to the students. I was teaching a packaging class and there was it was about selling the bakings, you know, baking stuff at Target. And there was this model walking super tall with a white dress and, and heels. It was on YouTube. I don't think it's there anymore, but and then she was throwing out, you know, she was throwing the flour to the air, the eggs and the this and the that, and suddenly she's baking. And I I would show it to the students and I would tell them, how do you make the mundane sublime?
1: Yes. How? Yeah.
0: And that to me is what design thinking is all about. It's about not necessarily the skill of how to do the logo, but how do I convince you visually, only visually, that, what I'm saying to you is important for you to stop you on your tracks, you know, and to make a change or or change your behavior or change your perspective or change your attitudes. And that's what we're supposed to do. But I don't think we talk about it enough We're sometimes we're too concerned with skill and not enough with concept.
1: Right. Right. Correct. OK, so I I do enjoy that uh breakdown of design thinking okay so let me throw the word creativity at you then Mm -hmm. i have a bunch of stuff on my mind but i'm trying to be evasive just so i don't prompt (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) creativity
0: creativity well interestingly enough i do believe that see one thing i said when i went to germany and i was talking about uh harnessing the creative mind that was my presentation i said this i said we treat creativity as it was a candy in a vending machine
1: Hmm. interesting okay yeah
0: we want to go there and bam we want it ready in a moment's time and that is exactly our culture our design culture the client needs this you know you have to produce it but if you don't have a habit to sustain you a habit that you have created in the back you know or in your home or wherever it is to sustain that vending machine you're gonna run out of supplies um it's like the guy or the girl who wants to run a marathon, but they haven't trained to run the marathon. I could never run a marathon, by the way. I, <laughs> bo- they, would, I, they bore me to death. But, <laughs> but it's like, you know, how are you going to do something at a moment's time if you're not putting the work five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day every day to do something on paper or on the iPad or wherever it is? If you don't nurture your mind. My, my stu- I tell my students, I want you to read our design books, but I would prefer you read books outside design, mm-hmm. literature, fiction, newspapers, science. Read something different because it is in the divergence of all of that, that you create things that are unique, that are different. You're not going to be doing something different by looking at the same things everybody else is doing. And they don't understand. Sometimes they don't understand that too much. Um. But eventually they get it. You know, eventually they start thinking, yeah, I have to do that. So to me, creativity is a habit that you need to sustain, just like any other habit, just like brushing your teeth. I don't, there are moments and there will be moments that are going to be super elated and super full of romance, you know, like, oh my goodness, I got this awesome idea. And everybody's like, wow. But the truth is that for most of us who are not royalty, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> creativity is something we have to give birth to, and we have to hash it out constantly. And if we don't sit down and dedicate a moment to that, it's, you know, it's a muscle that, I, that is, it becomes weak with time. That's how I think yeah. <clears throat> about creativity. I think about it is in terms of putting two things together that usually don't go together and doing something every day to, to harness that when it's needed. Because then the machines run out of candy if you don't put candy in it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I see a correlation in, the, in your description of design thinking as well as uh, creativity. So, do you, do you see them as a mutual <laughs> partner yeah. or, or do you see them as um, do you need creativity to be a design thinker? Or to be a design thinker, do you need to be creative? One in the same, separate. I don't know. I don't know where to leave that. So
0: I think um, I think creativity is a is part of the human capacity we've been given. Um, I think a chef when he's cooking he's creative. I don't like cooking, so my my hat off to people that my <laughs> husband is an awesome cooker and um, cook. Um, I yeah. think creativity is in everything that we do. How do you decide? How do you learn? For example, my son is a swimmer how do you learn how to take more more advantage of the time that you're taking in the water so that you shave off one second? That happens in the water. That happens when he's hashing it out. And in that moment where he comes up with an idea, a little change, something that for you and me doesn't make any difference, but for him would mean the world because it's a second. Uh, In that moment, he's not only thinking in a design way to solve something he needs to, but he's also being creative in how he implements and comes up with that question and that solution or that answer. I don't that's like a, to call a solution answer. Yeah,
1: that's a great example. Mm-hmm.
0: I don't, you know, I think a business person, how do you, you know, sometimes we we talk about sales and we all know the cheesy salesperson, right? But there are salespersons persons that, oh my goodness, they just, they could sell you, if you were in Alaska, they could sell you the ice because they are good yes and i have i grew up with sales I my dad was an excellent businessman my grandfather was an excellent businessman um and i saw how they would handle people and i was like wow my grandmother was a nurse and i remember this is controversial and not everybody's going to agree and that's okay so don't kill me on the internet people but (laughs) uh, she lived in a kind of dicey place uh and every time Somebody would come and ask her for money, you know, uh, obviously someone who was in drugs or whatever. And she would go in and get a quarter. And I would ask her, why do you do that if you know they're going to use it wrong? And she said, because I'm not giving them enough to do anything with it. It's not about that. It's about showing a little bit of kindness and they will see it as a kindness. If you say, if you don't give them a, a nickel, anything, they would not see it as a kindness. They would see it as, you know, I rejection. In turn, because I've been kind, they watch my house.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and
0: I was like, whoa, that is incredible. Like yeah. how she thought about that. And that fascinated me, how she took something mundane, you know, day to day, a nuisance. You know, somebody coming, well, she cannot change it. She couldn't stop him. So she decided to just... Give them something to show kindness in her heart, and yeah, they would they would watch her house. I it was this, those little things are creative ways to show kindness, creative ways to, to show this or that, creative ways to handle a problem that are not necessarily the you know the the punitive type. I'm mm-hmm. not that that's not needed sometimes yeah. that's needed, but to me, yeah. everybody is creative in what they do. Um in mm, your right. craft, a lawyer who my law I have my lawyer in Puerto Rico, he's he's brilliant, and I, I'm amazed when he reads things to me and explains to me, this is what we're gonna do, and this is what we're gonna do. I'm like, I would have never like how did you think of that? And every time you have to say to someone, How did you think of that? You you know that they came up with something that it wasn't in your in your wheelhouse to do, because they're mm-hmm. creative at what they do, and that's what makes them good. Um so to me, design thinking, creativity, they are connected in many ways. I know that we believe in design in the traditional sense of designing things, you know, solving problems, prescribing a new solution to something and creating that item that fits in that pocket, etc. But, you know, uh, a gardener designs their garden all the time. You know, people, uh, housewives design their household, plan their meals, you know, work around the house in a way because the goal for them is to make them pleasant or whatever the goal is, or the teacher in kindergarten, which I admire because I could never teach little kids. Um, they come up with ways to have those kids eating from their hand. And you're like, wow, how can you handle 30 kids like that? <laughs> but they yeah. have a gift. No, it's not just a the gift. They probably have that gift, but they harness it. They cultivate it. They think about it. They, they constantly are trying to make it better, to make it something, not better necessarily, refine it, to make it more sophisticated. And yes. what is that Wonderful. if not a creative design thinking way to do your craft in a way that was better than yesterday, you know?
1: That's not perfect. Necessarily. And, I, and I think a lot of um, designers, my, my suggestion would be for them to not think about it as an art design thing. But definitely mm-hmm. thinking, thinking of it differently as a, perhaps just a, a way of functioning. Just exactly. a natural, natural way of life. Not instinctual, but we need to practice yeah. it and, and apply. Yeah. Um, let's, let's be crazy for a minute. If creativity and design thinking were dances, which would they each be? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, interestingly enough, uh, my thesis work was about dance forms. I took pictures of my husband and I, we were dating still then uh, dancing and I abstracted them to lines and planes and uh, they became little symbols and then they became grids for typographic layout.
1: Wonderful, (laughs) wonderful. So
0: the dance that we both find, we love many dances, we love the swing, we love the cha-cha, we love tango, we love um, American tango, international tango, um, south side, very close to my heart. Um, but the dance in which the both of us find much more of a connection is Argentine Tango.
1: Hmm, okay.
0: And it's the most improvisational one of all of the dances. You learn uh, a vocabulary of simple steps. And then what you and your partner do on the floor is up to you, to the two of you. It's, not, it's a conversation in, with the body. And it is an incredible experience to do um wow, there's nothing like it i mean salsa has steps and you have to do those steps because if you're not doing those steps it's not salsa anymore Meringue, all of that yeah but yeah. in argentine tango it's even the way you approach it, each other is like a hog. it's kind of forming like a house the, the faces are is cheek to cheek and you're separated at the legs because you're going to move the legs but the, the leading and giving, the leading, receiving, and responding is mutual. You know, there's a conversation <laughs> happening between the two of you.
1: Could the Argentine tango be creativity then? Or am I? Am I...
0: I, think it's, I think it's all of that. I think it's a, yeah. it's a way. It's like design. You learn, to, you learn the, the variables, you know, proximity, space, weight, all of that. And then you create something. But you do it yourself, you know, you but with Argentine tango, you're learning the same things, proximity, size, weight, <clears throat> weight in the sense your body's post position, um, color in the way you are approaching it. And how that comes together, it becomes a new song every time, a new conversation, a new discussion, even a new argument. <clears throat> There's... Um, So to me, Argentine Tango would be the most the one that I think the most about this in terms of design thinking and creativity because it implies it it involves everything from both sides. Yeah. Every in ballroom dancing, the guy usually leads and the woman responds. Unless you're very good and the woman knows how to counter lead. But in Argentine tango, it's both.
1: Hmm. It's
0: both. What they have we have to learn to to balance that. And Every time you do it, it's something different. It's, it's, it's really, really beautiful. There's a movie called um, Tango by um, Carlos Saura. In 1999, it came out. Um, and it was nominated for the, one of the best international films. Uh, it opened in L.A. I, went, I had the chance to go and see it in L.A. And he uses the tango dance to tell his biography, to tell his story through oh, the wow. dances. Oh, and boy. it's just, and he's got, co- there's a part where he, I don't remember why it was, but there's violence in, the, in his life. And he uses the dances and the dancers to communicate that violence. It was one of the best movies I have ever seen oh, wow. on, on how to, and there's dialogue and all of that. But what yeah. he's doing is making his movie. The movie is all about making the movie. And you see these beautiful dances, not beautiful in the sense that we think of. Beautiful in the sense that they're so profound and they communicate so much. We have two ways of communicating, right? We communicate co- cognitively, we talk. But there's this emotional, visceral way that we can communicate. Like when you go to a room and somebody looks at you and you look at that person and you know that person got you. Like, you know there's a, there's a connection. It was like that. That the entire movie was like that.
1: Wow. So, and what's the name of that again?
0: Uh, Tango by Carlos Saura.
1: Okay. Yeah. I'm going to look for um, that. That would be amazing to watch.
0: It's, it's beautiful. Amazingly beautiful. There's another movie, it's older, uh, um, written by Sally Porter, uh, and it's about the movie, making the movie as well. It's before, it's before Tango. And in this movie, she's the film writer, and she's trying to come up with new ideas for the film. And she's stuck, and she decides to take Tango lessons with uh, one of the most famous Tango dancers. Um,
1: Interesting.
0: And actually, I had the opportunity to see him in Broadway, and I was going to jump out of my seat in Broadway when he came to the (laughs) stage. And Tyson was like, sit down. I'm like, I can't sit down. I can't. I'm like, he's there. (laughs) Anyway, his name is Pablo, Pablo Verón. And she takes classes with him, and they decide to go to Argentina to actually learn. And every time they dance, they practice, but every time they dance, is different. Every time they create something, it's about that moment of intimacy that is shared with everybody it's almost as if we're sharing a secret we're having an intimate conversation and we're going to make you part of it when we're performing it's a beautiful beautiful movie
1: beautiful wonderful,
0: and it, it just changed my way of looking at design i look at letters and i think of them as dancers on the stage and beautiful. i talk to the to the students that way and as about hierarchy i tell them If you're a ballerina, and I was never a ballerina, by the way, but I know ballerinas, (laughs) you're a ballerina, you're going to be the most important thing in the the whole show. And all of these other things, the content, the subheaders, the punctuation, are supporting her. So how does that look like? What does that look like if you think about it that way? You have to come up with a lot of metaphors because really typography is hard to get. It's it's hard. It took me a long time. Coincidentally, yeah. a student asked me yesterday, how did you know that you were good in typography? And I said, <laughs> it took me a long time. I, was re- I really sucked at it for a long time. <laughs> and we talked yeah. about it for a while. But yeah, that's, it would be tango. Yeah, it would that's be tango. Uh, Argentine tango, not the American tango. The American right, tango is very note. prescriptive.
1: Yeah. Ah, got you. And I'm going to use your dance analogy in my typography class as well. <laughs> okay. I think that's a good example as well. Hey, uh, before we get close to, uh, the end of time here, advice for others. So advice for design educators, and then, uh, and then we'll take some advice for, uh, young designers and design students.
0: I would say, um, I was very fortunate. I'm very blessed to have people in my life who were good mentors to me. Um, in Fort Wayne, um, I had, um, I don't know if you ever met her, Connie, um, Oh, I always block names. Connie, she was from the dental department. She was my rock. She was amazing, amazing during during hard times. Uh, okay. Here, um, a couple of people who have been really critical to me in moments and outside, outside your department. Yes. Because yeah. you need to find other people. You need to find other voices. At the end of the day, this is an important advice I got from someone. Uh, at, at one certain moment, I was facing a difficult decision in terms of, do I pursue this or do I not pursue this? Because if I pursue this, this 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 way, I will not be hireable anywhere else. And this person told me, you need to do what you know is right, not for this university, but for you in your career. Because this university happens to be one in, among many others. Mm-hmm. And if you know that this is not going to make you horrible and tenurable at other places, don't do it. Because if you have to leave, you have to live with a good portfolio. And I was like, whoa, that's very courageous to say and very scary to follow. Yes. But I have to say, you cannot, approaching tenure, though it is very critical and very big and it's a lot of satisfaction when you get it, It is not; you cannot be defined by that. And this sounds very hard to say, and you might think it sounds easy to say for someone who just got tenure, but before I, the year I was submitted all my papers, which is 2018, yeah, 18 to 19, in the fall 2018, I had to prepare this huge document for peer review people, you know, outside, um, mm-hmm. external yeah. reviewers. And I realized, wow, I have done a lot of work and it is good. And I felt good with myself. I felt like I had done what I was supposed to do. And I, I was praying. I was, I actually pray. And I was praying and I ask, if I get an answer of no, I want to have such peace in my heart that it doesn't make me or break me. Because this is a job. Your life is more important than your job. And if you don't have a life, you're not going to be able to work anywhere else. So mm-hmm. I would say, take care of yourself. Take care of your, your research time because it's important. Not, every, not everybody's called to work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I can't. I have a condition that I have to manage and I simply can't. Um, and you can do a lot within the, whatever time limitations you have, whatever it is. Take care of yourself. <clears throat> Balance things because at the end of the day, when the people up there are looking at your work, they're not going to know that they're, they don't care about a lot of stuff you do day to day. They care about how what name, what reputation are you bringing to the university? How, how are you, by your work, expanding the mission of the university? And it is hard to balance. But if you find good people that support you and help you and good friends, like it, it's important to have good friends. And you will know who they are. They will reveal themselves. <laughs> You know, in time. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's for sure. Definitely. Uh, advice for the student then, for the young designer and the student.
0: I I always tell my students this you should be happy to come to class.
1: <laughs> that's it. <a, laughs> because because okay. one, because
0: I'm fun. I'm super fun here. <laughs> and second, yeah. because at the end of the day, what are you studying? You're see when you my mother was a secretary and She worked for someone else all of her life, you know, so uh, organizing somebody's life, organizing somebody's whatever. But when you're you're starting to be a designer, you're creating, you're going to be paid to create stuff, you know, like constantly to create stuff. Not only that, if you go to an agency or studio, you're going to work with their clients, but on your free time, you can go ahead and do something for yourself with your same skills. To me, being a designer, being an artist, it's the best thing ever. isn't it? Ex- you're constantly expressing yourself and constantly extending yourself to the world. Who gets to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can go to your portfolio years down the road and look at where you were and, and where you are now. Who gets to do that? Who gets to look at, wow, look at how much I have grown? I yeah. guess surgeons do that. Actually, my surgeon did that because he did my two C sections and the second C session he said, in this, in the operating room, he said, Alma, and who did this beautiful surgery for you before? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, shut up. You yeah. cannot be doing this now.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but we are one of the few who can actually have a portfolio of visual output that you can look back and look at how much you have grown, how much you have changed, and how, my, how many skills you have acquired. Yeah. I don't know how to explain it, but to me, there's... I feel that people who are designers and have the have the capacity to to create are yeah. blessed.
1: We're we're leaving something in the world.
0: Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. That wasn't there before. That's the yeah. point by Shel Silverstein. Yes. It's
1: a <laughs> it's a beautiful it's a beautiful thing to be able to look back and like yeah that that was that was me. I had a hand in yeah. that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Exactly.
1: Right. So they should be energized by that, and if they're not energized by that. Are they doing the right thing for themselves by choosing that direction? Well, you know,
0: this is a conversation I have a lot with some students because some of them are there because they think this is the way to make money. And yeah. they don't realize that design, the junior level design positions, are, you know, it's hard to get in and not greatly, greatly pay. You're not, not going to be making uh, six figures. The, when you graduate, that just doesn't happen. Right. You're right. going to start small and you're going to have to, the bigger we get because of the internet, the internet has amplified what we do in such a way that there's so much competition everywhere. You know, uh, solo designers, freelancers, entrepreneurs, like people who go out and make their own apps and services. There's a lot. Mm-hmm. So for, yeah. you to, for you to waste your money in four years in something that you're not committed to, that you're not happy with, you know get out do something that do what you want i people tend to think and i hear parents too i had a conversation sometime i had a conversation with a parent who was telling me well you know i want her to have a job or i want him to have a job and i said you know life and the world is not like it was when you went to school nowadays they have so many speakers for them the internet alone social uh social media alone. facebook there's yeah. so much that they can do to promote themselves and make a dent wherever yes. they are it's not like before the competitions are there i mean there's a lot of entries on here and here and here there's a lot to do and there's a lot of people in the world they're going they're not going to starve it's the, <laughs> that doesn't yeah. that's not going to happen yes they might struggle but they're not going to starve and i don't know i um i think that Everything we do is a teachable experience. I don't think that we're wasting anything necessarily. If you spend two years in design and then you get out because it wasn't for you, that knowledge you would apply somewhere or sometime in another, in a few years down the road.
1: Definitely. Um, yeah.
0: But you should want this. It's, it's like a surgeon who doesn't want to, who hates blood. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't happen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Just if you don't like the, the, I tell the students, you don't like sketching you're in the wrong place because this is what we do all the time before you go to the computer we sketch. It's, and designers, good designers, they, they walk around with, a, with a, uh, a notebook on their pocket all the time, everywhere they go, everywhere they go. They have to, you know, taking notes and doing this and doing that. I have notebooks everywhere in my house, everywhere. I cannot have just one. Uh, Mike and I have had this conversation. I can't have one. He <laughs> says, have one. I can't. Right. <laughs> but I... For you, yeah, enjoy it. I mean, then uh, this is another thing. They don't like typography. And I'm like, well, that's too bad because 90% of everything we do is typography. Yes. You know, the, and the web brought that back because before the web, you could just be, um, you can just do the Photoshop stuff, image stuff. But now with the web, everything came together. I, you know, it's like, you have to know typography.
1: Content
0: yes. is king. How do you express that how do you express that content is keen if you don't have good typography? So I tell them, everything you buy, everything you buy at the store has typography. Everything you wear has typography. Everything, everywhere you go has typography. When you drive, and they don't think about the fact that traffic signs, the green ones, are done by a designer following federal regulations of size and spacing and type choices. And I tell them, yes, that's all regulated in a document. They have to be this way because if you spend... Even one more second looking at that sign, you're going to crash.
1: Right. So,
0: everything yeah. we do is type. And I tell them, if you don't like it, maybe you're in the wrong place. And I talk frank because they need, that. They, they, they deserve that. Yes. But at the same time, once I have that conversation, they get over that and they just, they change. Usually, they, they become like, wow, yeah, I didn't think about it that way.
1: Definitely, I believe,
0: yeah. I love school i love love school and if i could i go. i would i would go back i love yeah, I yeah. love projects i love research i love you know doing little investigations here and there i, I just love it
1: yeah <laughs> It it is it's a lot of fun there's so much energy um keeps you going right yeah it mm-hmm. gets you up in the morning and uh tuckers you out and puts you to sleep at night <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but, but yeah that's wonderful i i appreciate your time so much alma it it's been another great conversation with you. Um, where can, if people want to reach out to you and talk to you about some of the stuff we talked about, where can they find you?
0: I am everywhere just, and everything is easy. Alma Hoffman. Two, with two F's. Two, two F's and two N's. Two ends, And two N's. Yeah. Alma Perfect. Hoffman. Pinterest is Alma Hoffman. Instagram is Alma Hoffman. Twitter is Alma Hoffman. <laughs> my website is almahoffman.com, which is, I'm redoing my website. So there's not much there, but. I have a newsletter that I send out every other week.
1: Wonderful. So. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll leave some notes uh, online on the website as well as uh, in YouTube with the video version of the podcast. Thank you so much for the conversation. You're um, welcome. You'll probably be hearing from me more in the future. Uh, okay. Coming up here, I got a few things that I'm working on that I might uh, need some of your expertise and reach reach out to you for. Awesome. Um, yeah. And if there's a chance to bring you back to the podcast to talk about some other topics, I would love to have you back.
0: I would love that too.
1: Thank awesome. you. Thank you so much, Alma. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your weekend. I appreciate the time you spent with us. No worries. All right. Have
0: a good hiking today. Yeah.
1: <laughs> bye now. Bye bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode. The Design Dedux podcast can be found at That's designdedux.com. That's D E S I G N D E D U X dot com. Where you can listen to the podcast or watch the video version of the podcast, as well as find links to the guests and the topics discussed during each episode. The Design Deducts podcast can be found on most podcast listening platforms. You can join us on social media through Instagram and Twitter via at design underscore deduct on Facebook as Design Deducts Podcast, and join us on YouTube at Design Deducts for video versions of each episode. If you are enjoying the podcast, you can show your support on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash design underscore dedux. Once again, thanks for joining us, and we hope you'll join us again for the next episode.